1: Time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter Powered by Windy City Retirement. SB Nation, Bill Zimmerman with you, and the Chicago Bears are stuck in Groundhog Day. Might as well sting sunny and share uh, with I Got You, Babe, rather than bear down there to start this podcast. Because it is the same thing over and over again. We'll talk about it here, and we're gonna talk about it here in a little bit with Danny Parkins from the score. Danny did a great job last year. It was the first time he was on this podcast. So making another appearance this season. Really appreciate Danny jumping on. He's going to hop on here in just a few minutes. But before he does, let me talk about this Bears team. And, like, I, I don't even really want to spend time on the Titans game right now because I don't know what the point is. What is the point? I, I just, this is Bill Murray sitting up in bed over and over and over and over again until you just smash the alarm clock because... What is it? It's the Bears defense plays pretty well. The offense is dreadful. The Bears lose a close one drink. Like it's the same thing over and over and over again. And where I'm frustrated with Matt Nagy, and if you listen to this podcast, you know, I am a Matt Nagy supporter and I am still a supporter of Matt Nagy, the head coach. And I've been a, let's give Matt Nagy the offensive coach time because of the situation of this offense, because there's not a lot of pieces, because there's not a great quarterback. I've given Matt Nagy rope. You know, I've given him a long leash in terms of who he is as an offensive coach, but I'm just, I, I just, I, I'm out I'm out of, of, of defense. I, I can't, I'm at a loss for words. How about that? A guy who can't shut up is at a loss for words. I'm sure for those of you who can't stand me are appreciating this right now. I just don't know how Matt Nagy is going to be able to figure out how to get this offense over the hump. And when I say over the hump, I don't want, I don't expect this offense to be top 10. I don't expect this offense to be in the top half. This team being an average offense was the absolute ceiling, the absolute ceiling. And that's not a knock on Matt Nagy, that's a knock on the personnel. Now, the personnel is the situation it is because, as I've talked about a couple times on this season, uh, on this podcast, is that the money is being sent, spent on the defensive side of the ball. Khalil, you know, the, the draft picks invested to trade for Khalil Mack and the contract given to Khalil Mack. A first round pick to Roquan Smith, the Eddie Jackson contract, the Kyle Fuller contract. You know, that that's where this Akeem Hicks got paid. That's where this team invested its resources, and that's fine. So this team decided that they are going to roll the clock back a little bit and be a defensive-oriented football team. That was the Ryan Pace roster construction. So there's not enough resources left on the offensive side of the ball. We've gone over this and over this and over this. So again, saying this offense is ceiling was an average offense is not an insult to Matt Nagy, it's the roster construction. So when you come into this season and you say that's the ceiling, so if the Bears are ranked 20th on offense, you know, that's that's pretty good. That's that's serviceable and that's enough for what this team is going to need to win football games. The problem is is that they're the bottom of the league. They're not the worst, but they're certainly close. I, what I'd say, if you average everything in there, they're about 30th in the league, and that's obviously not gonna cut it. And what is the most frustrating for me watching this offense, and for, forget the team as a whole, just watching this offense, is the lack of progression anywhere. Like, not, not that Matt Nagy with this personnel is gonna be able to fix everything, but there hasn't been any progression Anywhere to me, we haven't seen steady improvement from the offensive line. Again, not that the offensive line needs to be great, especially with this many injuries, but we haven't seen the offensive line really coming together and getting a little better. Where you say, okay, they're playing together a little bit, they're getting used to each other, they're improving. We haven't seen improvement in how Nick Foles is playing, and maybe it's just because Nick Foles is washed. Nick Foles stunk in Jacksonville last year. We were hoping we were going to get the Philadelphia Eagles version of Nick Foles. Which again, the Philadelphia version was up and down. If you look at Nick Foles' regular season games for the Eagles, they're not spectacular. He had a lot of bad games where the Eagles needed him to pull something out of his you know what in the fourth quarter, and he did it a lot, especially during that Super Bowl run. And then when we got to the playoffs and we get to the Super Bowl, Nick Foles plays like an MVP. You know, he just the the spotlight was on him, the the stars aligned, and now Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champion. So. But Nick Foles in Jacksonville was replaced by a six-round pick in Gardner Minshew, who was fun, and we all thought, oh, this guy's great, fun, what a, what a steal for a six-round pick. But at the same time, now Jacksonville's looking to replace Gardner Minshew. So if this is where the Jaguars are with Gardner Minshew, it's not like they invested fully in this guy. No, they just knew that Minshew was better than Foles. Now, we sit there and say, well, it wasn't wasn't an Andy Reid offense. That's what Nick Foles needs. I understand we all had the the theory and the concept, but the bottom line is Nick Foles was bad in Jacksonville. Nick Foles comes to Chicago and is just as bad as he was in Jacksonville. Maybe he's worse. I didn't watch enough Jacksonville Jaguars games close enough last year to know exactly how bad Nick Foles was, but he was not good. So when we're looking at this offense, what you have is you have a lot of bad players and you have an offensive coach who can't figure out the best way to utilize those players. So I just don't know where this offense can go at this point. And as a Bears fan and as someone who, who podcasts and, and covers the Bears here for Windy City Gridiron, I, I, I'm going to say this. This is going to sound awful to say. I'm just bored with this football team right now. doesn't mean I'm going to stop watching. It doesn't mean I dislike the team. I'm bored because it's just the same thing over and over and over again. And you just don't feel like they can improve. Now, I sit here and, you know, I had a weird feeling about the Saints game and they did get it to overtime, but I was wrong. They they did not win. And now I'm looking at this Vikings game and I got kind of that funny feeling. again. we'll talk about the Vikings at the end of the podcast like we usually do for a couple minutes. But I just, I don't know how this offense can improve. And I think the problem is you, you sit there and go, well, the offensive line isn't very good, and they don't have a lot of weapons, and the quarterback play isn't very good. And there are problems with Matt Nagy, his, his, the way he handles the clock, the, the way sometimes he goes uber conservative, and sometimes he goes too aggressive. There's no consistency. You want to talk about the play calling? We can talk about the play calling. There's plenty of issues with Matt Nagy as well. But the problem is, is there's so much unraveling at once You can't, you know, there's too many holes in the dam. You can't just plug it with one finger. You got too much, you got water leaking out in other spots. So I don't know how to fix this offense other than to try and win a couple football games and get this offense feeling more positive about themselves. Alan Robinson keeps sending out cryptic tweets and, you know, the offensive line isn't playing well. and, And there's just criticism upon criticism upon criticism. And it's just, I would think, now Matt Nagy does a good job of keeping a positive vibe around Hallis Hall and having the guys playing hard, but at some point it has to get a little toxic around a team. And I'm not saying they're snapping at each other. I'm not saying they're blaming each other, but it's hard to keep your head up when everyone on social media says you're terrible. Everyone in the media says you're terrible. Local and national media alike say you're terrible. You know, at some point you just sit there and look in the mirror and go, "I'm terrible." Like it's 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 very hard to block out that noise sometimes. And the the Bears are at a point, and we've talked about it again, they went all in on this season and things are are unraveling right now. They have to put a stop to it. They have to put a stop to it quickly because if this unravels, if it really unravels, and this team ends up, I would say ends up with a losing record. If they're five, if, if they end up eight and eight, that's really disappointing based on where they were at the start of the season. But I don't think that's a complete destruction of the season. It's frustrating based on the fact they were 8-8 eight and eight last year and in essence, did not improve despite spending on Robert Quinn, despite bringing in a new quarterback and giving up a fourth-round pick for him. Despite all the moves they made to try and improve this roster for this season, it's frustrating if they end up 8-8 eight and eight again. But if they really fall apart and just after this great start end up, let's say they end up six and 10. For the first time, I really wonder if Pace and Nagy might be on the hot seat, if that happens. I do not think they're on the hot seat yet. I think maybe for the first time that seat's getting a little warm. Now I think a lot of Bears, I know a lot of Bears fans think Nagy and Pace have been on the hot seat for a while. I disagree with that. I strongly disagree with that. But I'm just starting to wonder if things unravel at this point, if George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, if that crew is going to sit down and look at what Ryan Pace has done and ask if it's good enough. Because as anyone who may have been listening to this podcast for years, and if you haven't, that's fine. Thank you for listening now. But if you've been listening for years, I gave Ryan Pace a really long leash because... When I looked at this Bears roster that he inherited, it was awful. It was really awful, guys. I don't think a lot of people realize how bad it was because they were two years removed from that first Mark Tressman year where it was fun, right? And they, they had a good offense. Now, again, Lovey went 10-6 and six in his last year, and Bears fans seem to kind of want to ignore that Lovey went 10-6, and six. Mark Tressman took over, and then I, I, it was 8-8. Eight and eight. So they got worse with Mark Tressman, but they were fun. Cutler and the offense were scoring points. So Bears fans kind of got into it. And then of course the year two with Tressman, it's a disaster. But when you look at that roster that he took over, you say, oh, they had Marshall and they had Bennett and they had Jeffrey and they had Forte and they had Cutler. But look at what happened to those players. Brandon Marshall had one good season after he left, one, and he was done. Martellus Bennett was never a a very good tight end again. He was okay, had some moments for the the Patriots, but he wasn't great. Done, four tagos of the Jets, done. Like the players needed to be replaced. So you have to give Ryan Pace credit that he did make the tough choices early with this team and blew it up. He kept basically Kyle Long, Leto and Fuller were on the hot seat and O'Donnell, and they kind of made it through. McManus, what is it, five players? I think it's it. Five players that he kept from that original team. Everyone else, he overturned the entire roster. You cannot do that in just a couple of a couple of seasons. It takes a long time to overturn a roster and have enough talent to win. And that's where I think Bears fans have not given Ryan Pace enough credit and it's, oh, but they've been, they were terrible his first couple, three years because of the roster he inherited. I guarantee you, he did not go in to that interview when he got hired and tell George McCaskey and Ernie Accorsi that he was going to turn this team around in a year. I guarantee you, he put together a detailed plan that was several years in the making on how to improve this, this team. And again, look at the roster the Bears had and tell me who they got rid of that went on to great things. Alshon Jeffrey was good enough for Philadelphia, helped them win a Super Bowl. He does get credit for that. They gave Jeffrey a big contract. Ask Eagles fans if they think Alshon Jeffrey has earned that big contract. He hasn't been on the field, he hasn't done much. Again, first year with the Eagles, he did something. They paid him, it fell apart. So again, who Ryan Pace got rid of, some guys he got rid of one season too early, but as Bill Belichick says, Better to get rid of him one season too early than one season too late. So Ryan Pace, I don't have a problem with how long it took him to build a competitive team. It needed to happen. He needed to build through the draft. He needed to do some aggressive drafting and, 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 you know, certain things. A lot of those free agents, oh, well, those free agents didn't pan out. Those were bargain basement free agent signings early on. They weren't investing mega dollars because they weren't at a position yet to invest in free agency. And when they finally felt they were on the cusp, they had the coach they wanted, they thought they had the quarterback, or you know, everything was kind of coming together. And again, they didn't have the quarterback, they thought they had the quarterback. Then they went out and went after Allen Robinson and Trey Burton and, and, and Taylor Gabriel and had the big off season. And overall, once he started spending on those players, the free agency, when you look at it as a whole to me, is a lot better than people give him credit for. People are sitting there still criticizing Ryan Pace for moves he made five, six years ago. Those aren't the moves that matter. The moves that matter are the moves he's making now, because that was the that was the competitive team that he was trying to field. That was the, what he was building for for the first three years of this franchise that he was, that he was working with with John Fox. So I don't have a problem with the time it took Ryan Pace to put this team together, but right now Ryan Pace does deserve criticism. For all the credit I give him for the defensive side of the football, he has to get criticism for the offensive side of the football. And yes, Matt Nagy, I'm sure, had plenty of input on the offensive players he wanted. But David Montgomery does not have an NFL burst. He could be a pretty good running back, but he's not going to be an elite running back. I don't see it. I understand he's behind a bad offensive line. That certainly doesn't help. But I don't see it with David Montgomery. Anthony Miller, time to big time questions on Anthony Miller. It's way too early on Cole Komet, but the bottom line is the Bears top draft pick this year has accomplished nothing on the field. Basically nothing for the first half of the season. So that's a problem. The offensive line, Cody White here is pretty good. James Daniels is pretty good, but he hasn't invested enough across the rest of the offensive line. And the lack of draft picks has created an offensive line that doesn't have depth. And he just... You have to criticize him for that. Allen Robinson has been fantastic. Where would this offense be without Allen Robinson? Darnell Mooney, he gets plenty of credit. And I'm not going to kill him for signings like Ted Ginn. That was a league minimum signing. But the bottom line is this offense doesn't have enough weapons. This offense doesn't have enough on the offensive line. And this offense doesn't have a quarterback. And that criticism has to go on Ryan Pace. Now, again, I'll sit there and say, well, they can't go out and get a huge left tackle for a $70 million contract, and they can't go out and, and, and spend and spend and spend on the offense because they spent on the defense. But where the offense needs to come through is you need to hit as much as you can in the draft. And part of the problem is, is he traded away all his draft picks. And not just for Khalil Mack, but for trading up for David Montgomery, for trading up a year ahead to get Anthony Miller. Those type of trade-ups, When they don't pan out, and Montgomery, Miller's had flashes, Montgomery's okay, but you need Montgomery to be Miles Sanders. You need Anthony Miller to be CeeDee Lamb when you're going to invest that kind of of draft capital to get these guys. And you have to start questioning Ryan Pace's eye for offensive talent. You can support his eye for defensive talent, Jalen Johnson, again, we, we see You know, you know the list goes on and on for the defensive players he's pl- plucked out of the draft. He's done a fantastic job there, but he just hasn't plucked enough talent out of the offensive side of the football through the draft, and he doesn't have enough money to fix it in free agency. So they're going to go get Jermaine DeFetti as a, as a league minimum guy to try and fix an offensive line that stinks. So there's enough problems here where if this unravels, I think the front office can really actually look at Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. And I think for the first time, you can start elevating the temperature of their seats. I think their seats are just finally clicking into the warm category. I do not think they're hot. I think they could be hot if they don't turn this around. But I think if they do, I think they're they're here. And I think they may get another shot at a quarterback. I think that's the situation. I know a lot of Bears fans disagree with me, but... Again, if things unravel, I think it's a different story here. So if, and if they keep it together, I think they're still going to be okay. So I really see this Vikings game as a really pivotal game for this Bears season. And if it's a pivotal game for this Bears season, it's a pitiful, pivotal game for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. All right. I have been rambling on and on here about the Chicago Bears' woes. So let me get to Danny Parkins. Let's get his analysis on the problems with the Chicago Bears because there are quite a few. And maybe he's got some answers that no one else has thought of. So Danny Parkins from The Score joins us next. This is Bears banter, Bill Zimmerman. Be right back. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Very excited for our next guest. He was on it last year and really brought the thunder because it was right after the, the deep article about... Ryan Pace's, you know, process through Deshaun Watson or lack thereof with Deshaun Watson, and coming to draft Mitch Trubisky, it was a great spot. Very excited to have him on again. He is Danny Parkins at Danny Parkins on Twitter, host of the Danny Parkins Show on the Score, and he joins us now. Danny, Bill Zimmerman,
2: how are you? Bill, good to be back, man, and thank you for the reminder of uh, (laughs) the Bears having a possibility to have Deshaun Watson if they just went to dinner with him. So yeah, thank you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, speaking of Deshaun Watson, let's just dive right into the offense. And I'll just start with this question right here before we kind of dive into all the problems. Do the Chicago Bears, when everyone's healthy, have the worst quarterback room in the NFL?
2: Probably. You got Washington, but Alex Smith, you know. Yeah, Washington's the, the one that I'm thinking of, right? Because... Haskins is not the answer. Alex Smith isn't the long term answer, but Alex Smith seems to be better than Nick Foles. But nobody could have known that uh, before the year. I mean, the Jets, right? But the yeah, Jets fair. are the, the Jets are at least positioned to get like the, the why the Jets are in a better QB spot than the Bears is there's a solution for the Jets in um, yeah on the horizon five months right right and so. That's why, like, if you think big picture, little picture, like macro, micro, the Jets are in a much better macro position than the Bears are at quarterback. Um, yeah, man, I it's it's if it's not the worst, it's bottom three. I you know, I do think that a team like Washington is in a tough spot because like they'll go into this offseason probably needing a quarterback, but maybe feeling some loyalty to Alex Smith, but not being able to get much for Haskins and like being in a little bit of an in-between place as well. But uh, yeah, the bears have no upside, have no uh, youth. Don't even, they're not spending a ton of money and they are too good to get a top pick in the draft. So they are in QB purgatory.
1: Yeah, they, they really are. And as, as everyone knows who follows the league, you cannot win in this league with, with, a quarterback situation like the bears have. And, you know, when we look at this offense and we look at what's going on with this team right now, I, I feel like it's just like, you could just put a, a wheel and just, you know, spin the wheel like wheel of fortune with just a bunch of different problems, whether it be offensive line, whether it be a lack of weapons, whether it be the quarterback room, whether it be Matt Nagy, there's so many different things going on. So if, if you were able to cheat and and kind of, you know, instead of just letting the wheel spin and fall where it may, where is, the biggest problem on this offense for you right now what are you watching when you sit there and go this is the first thing that needs to be
2: corrected well I think it's quarterback you know if, if you're if you're asking me to rank it I, I think it's quarterback and then it gets a little bit more complicated because Ryan Pace picked Mitch Trubisky Matt Nagy inherited him uh, Matt Nagy wanted Foles, so that one's more on Nagy but you're not going to grade Foles, a guy on the wrong side of 30 who you traded a fourth round pick for uh, with the same degree of expectations as you would the second overall pick in a draft where there was Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes. But ultimately, the the Bears are not getting good enough quarterback play, right? Like if this team had Justin Herbert, they'd be a Super Bowl contender, period. Like it's, it's that... I do think it's that simple. Now, that doesn't mean that the offensive line would miraculously get better, but plus quarterback play covers up a lot, right? When Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones are hurt, all of a sudden Valdez Scantling and Jamal Williams are awesome for the Packers because Aaron Rodgers is amazing. So I think that quarterback play is number one. Ryan Pace is the person who puts together the personnel. Uh, He's responsible for the roster. He's responsible for the offensive line. He is number two. Um, I think that when you can't block in any form or fashion, it's tough to execute an offense. It's tough to be a play caller. That would be number three. But honestly, if you want to make an argument for Matt Nagy as being the second or third biggest problem, I would disagree with you. But it's certainly arguable given that he was, Involved in the acquisition of Foles, involved in the acquisition of Anthony Miller of Darnell Mooney of David Montgomery. Like he's been there for the majority of these young offensive pieces coming in. And so Matt Nagy is ultimately responsible for not getting more out of the personnel that he has, even if it's very flawed personnel. So the problem with the bears offense bill is it's a total complete failure other than Alan Robinson and maybe Darnell Mooney there isn't a single piece of the offense that you would grade as being even average, much less above average. None of it is special. They have no good run blockers. It is, they have no team speed. They have very little tight end production in terms of yardage. Jimmy Graham has been okay in the red zone. Like it's, there's nothing good. There's no strength about it. So it really is a collective failure. So you can't really just put it on one thing or one unit or one person.
1: Yeah. And, and that's, and that's, I think what's so frustrating for me as, as a Bears fan. And, you know, I talked about the Titans game a little bit in my opening remarks, but I didn't spend too much time on it. Cause it just feels like good defense, bad offense, lose a game, drink. Like it's, it's just, it's just, we're, we're stuck in groundhog day every
2: week here during this skid. And there's It's a dog. It's a dog that's passionate about the Bears. It's fine. <laughs>
1: we're all, we're all crying. Just, just, yeah,
2: exactly. Um,
1: but for me, there's no progression in terms of any kind of uh, in- improvement. And I really thought once Foles was in there and Nagy was going to do the things that he wanted to do, again, I didn't think this offense was going to be great, but I certainly thought it would be serviceable to you know below average, where they could just at least put up 20 to 24 points a game, and they're just going backwards. And to me, and I have been as much of a Nagy supporter as I can be, but it's really... I, at the point where I'm sitting there going, I don't know. I feel like Matt Nagy's the kid who studies hard all week and then gets a D on his test and can't figure out why.
2: Yeah, I think that there is some validity to that. There's no question about it. Um, for me, with Matt Nagy, I still want to see him with a quarterback. I do. He. This is a guy who, because to me it becomes a binary conversation is Matt Nagy doing enough to fire him? And if you think that you should fire him, you got to fire pace, you got to tear the whole thing down, and you got to start over. And I think, given how young quarterbacks are succeeding earlier than ever, and how good this defense is, and the realities that they don't have a lot of cap space to start over, and the cap's going down, I think with two years left on Nagy's deal, he's going to be here this offseason. And I think he deserves to be here this off season. And if you fire him and you fire the coaches and you fire the general manager, you'll get someone to be the coach. Like there's only 32 of these jobs, but are you really going to get the best assistant coaches, the best coach, the best general manager when you fire an executive of the year and you fire a coach of the year and you fire someone who hasn't had a losing record and you fire people with two years left on their deal. I would say no, like stability does matter in the NFL. So, Matt Nagy is failing this test. He absolutely looks like a man who doesn't have answers, but I want to see, hey, you were there when Brett Veach and Andy Reid and yourself were involved in trading up from 27 to 10 to take Pat Mahomes. You were able you were there when they started to groom this guy. What can you do? when you get to pick your quarterback in the draft. And so to me, that's where this is going. But there's no solution. The rest of this year, the Vikings game, the Jaguars game, the Texans game, the Lions game, the Packers games, like it's not going to get better. There might be a game where it's better. There might be a week or two where it's better. There might be stretches where it's better. But it is so broken right now that it's very clear Matt Nagy can't fix it. Foles can't fix it nothing is going to fix this particular collection of talent in 2020. They might make the playoffs, by the way, Like they couldn't make the playoffs with nine wins and be a seven seed and lose in the first round. But in terms of like fixing the offense, it's, it's too broken for it to happen in season.
1: Yeah. I look, I am with you and I really, I didn't think they'd be here. And and that's the thing is you see some people saying, well, who, who's going to be able to do anything behind this offensive line, especially with as poor as they were playing now you have Daniels out for the year. Now you have Massey on the IR. I mean, we 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 we've seen exactly how this has progressed. White hair, you know, out. You know, we we seen it get worse, but at the same time, we've still managed to see offenses score some points with third-string quarterbacks with three or four backup offensive linemen. There's been some success, and there hasn't been here. Now, what the, the 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 problem is, you know, obviously I can't figure it out. Nagy can't if Nagy can't figure it out, I'm certainly not going to be able to figure it out. So let's do the play calling, because that's obviously something that's been a little bit more of a hot commodity the last couple of weeks. You bring in Matt Nagy as an offensive mind, as an offensive play caller, and he's he's going to be the motivator, but he's going to be the offensive guy. And now I know he said he wouldn't announce it publicly, but if you give play calling to, to Bill Lazor, I assume that's who it would be because Flip hasn't had that much success when he's been, play, been been the play caller in the past on other teams. I mean, if there is an improvement and and you sit there and go is that the play calling from Matt Nagy at that point, if you're the brass of the Chicago bears, do you really start to re-examine who Matt Nagy is? And again, that's a big if,
2: cause I don't know if there would be any improvement. First of all, I don't think there would be. Uh, also, Andy Reid has given up play calling before for stretches. now part of it has been to get, you know, Doug Peterson experience before he took the Eagles job and Matt Nagy experience before he gets the bears job and all of that. But, Matt Nagy took over because they were slumping in 2017 uh, for for the Chiefs. And so, like, now Andy Reid's obviously got a bunch of skins on the wall and is totally securing himself and is going to the Hall of Fame. So it's different for him to give it up and admit, hey, I'm struggling. Let's get a different eye in here. But I remember that 2017 season when Nagy was the play caller for the last five games and then the Chiefs game against the Titans. Andy Reid still had the headset on. He still had the play sheet. He was still covering his mouth. Like the play calls were still going through him. He had veto power and all of that stuff. So like, even if Matt Nagy gives it up, it's always collaborative. Sometimes they call two plays into the huddle and then Nick Foles makes a decision at the line. Sometimes Nick Foles makes his own play call. There's other people on that headset. So I personally think the play calling thing has been overstated. Um, Not that it doesn't matter because it does. And he's clearly not Kyle Shanahan and he's clearly not Sean McVay, right? Like Matt Nagy's got a ways to go in that department. I absolutely believe the bears offense would be smoother, better. Uh, The play calling would be more successful. If one of those two guys or Andy Reed Reed or someone like that was calling the plays and everything else was the same, but I don't believe it would be a magic elixir. Second part of what you're talking about is like, if he's not calling the plays, where is the value of Matt Nagy? And I actually think he's fine there. The players love him. They don't quit in games. He handles crisis situations well. And I mean, John Harbaugh is a CEO, doesn't call plays. Mike Tomlin's a CEO, doesn't call plays. Pete Carroll's a CEO, doesn't call plays. Like about 19 of 32 coaches in the NFL either call the offensive plays or the defensive plays, but that leaves 13 guys who don't. So including some of the most successful in the game. So if Matt Nagy checks those other like leadership boxes, which I think he clearly does, I don't think you fire him just because he has to give up play calling for a little bit. Again, like this comes down to quarterback and resources, right? They spend top six money in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. Three of their four most, uh, four most expensive cap hits this year are defensive players. They have injuries on the offensive line. They have bad quarterback play. We shouldn't be shocked. They they don't have a first-round pick on their offensive line. We shouldn't be shocked that the offense for the Bears is not performing very well. Now, Nagy owns a huge percentage of that blame. I'm not absolving him of his sins, but this is not as if um, they have first round picks on the line, a first round pick at quarterback, multiple high priced receivers. They're spending 60% of their cap on the offensive side of the ball. That's not what this is. Like this is this is a team where we were hoping they would be league average offensively based on the personnel and if everything went right. And they're bottom 5 because nothing's gone right and it's broken and they've had some injuries.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm with you 100%, and that's been my argument when I've been engaging with people, whether it be on Twitter or on Windy City Gridiron, wherever it might be, is Matt Nagy, the head coach, I am a, a full supporter of, you know, and, and for all the reasons you listed. Matt Nagy, the offensive coach, there's where we can have some conversations because there, there are things that, that are that are obviously missing, and I agree, the talent isn't on that side of the ball, and and that's another thing I've brought up on this podcast is this team is spending money. Ryan Pace and, and Ted Phillips and, and the front office is spending money on the defensive side of the ball. So the offense is not going to be a top 10 offense because the talent's simply not there. But the one thing this year that I really haven't seen in the past, and it's on both sides of the ball, but execution-wise, it's more on the offensive side of the ball, that Matt Nagy's teams have not had the previous two years to me is a discipline issue. Is some of the things the defense you know obviously the Javon Wims incident some of the, the the penalties on the defensive side of the ball and on offense between the execution and and what we're consistently seeing is a lack of consistency what we're actually what we're seeing is consistency in one or two guys not doing their job seemingly every play whether that be a missed block whether that be a wrong route whether that be you know a poor throw from Foles. this t, it, you know you need, At least 10 out of the 11 guys, you know, if if the guy on the opposite side of the field, the wide receiver doesn't make his block away from a play, it's not the end of the world. But you need the offense to execute cohesively. And there's been no cohesiveness at all. And there's just like one or two guys that don't do their job each play, it seems. And that's why the play goes nowhere. And that to me has been a little alarming. That's the biggest one for me. Out of all the issues the Bears have is, is this discipline issue that I think has popped up that hasn't been there the previous two years with Nagy.
2: Yeah, you know, and so I, here's the thing. Like, some of that stuff is 100% on him. Not 100%. Uh, the, the football's gray, right? It's not black and white. But at some point, Bill, it has to be on players, right? Like, when when they come out and they go uh, timeout, 18-yard gain, timeout, sack, sack. Against the Rams. It's like this team is so dysfunctional and so embarrassing. And of course that's a reflection on their head coach, right? Like calling timeouts to avoid delay of games. Uh, They try to force flow, get a first down. Okay. We're going to go hurry up. Half the team doesn't know it's hurry up. Half the team knows that it is have to call a timeout to avoid delay a game. Like obviously Matt Nagy has to wear plenty of the responsibility for that. But 36 of this team's 63 league-leading penalties are on the defensive side of the ball. Akeem Hicks is one of the league leaders in penalties. Are Akeem Hicks and the defense's penalties a reflection of Matt Nagy or an overall lack of discipline? I would say the answer to that is no. If they – when they get – when it's fourth and in inches from the Titans' 30 and they get false start on one dude, then for, false start on another dude, then they punt, and it's a touchback for a net gain of 20 yards of field position – I mean, Pat O'Donnell's bad punt isn't on Matt Nagy. Arlington Hambright was on the practice squad, right? Jermaine Ifedi sucks. Ask any Seahawk fan. Like, that's not on Matt Nagy. Uh, David Montgomery fumbling, not on Matt Nagy. Nick Foles throwing interceptions off his back feet, not on Matt Nagy. Javon Wims punching a dude. After sitting on the bench and festering on it for 11 minutes, when Mike Furry, the receiver coach, told him, "Don't engage in number 22's trash talk." He's trying That's to get over your. That's
1: remarkable that right? that came but, out when Furry said
2: that. Yeah, but but not not on Matt Nagy. And like at some point, we have to hold players accountable for failure, right? Fourth and fourth and one, dive play to David Montgomery. Jermaine Fetti whiffs a block. Not the wrong decision to go for it. Not the wrong play call, terrible execution by a veteran offensive lineman who you sign in the offseason. Not on Matt Nagy. This doesn't mean that this guy is, is uh, absolved of sins. Because I can do the opposite, right? Nick Fole's not being better than he is on Matt Nagy. The dysfunction, like uh, the look, the, the flow, the slow developing handoffs, the burning of timeouts to avoid delay of games, uh, not going for two. Down eight when you score a touchdown, late in games, a clear analytical decision, uh kicking field goals from the five-yard line, down 17 in the second half of games. There are plenty of things that are on Matt Nagy, play calls being strung together at random, a lack of creativity that we saw in 2018. Plenty of things to be put on Matt Nagy, but sometimes it gets frustrating when they're like, well. They lead the league in penalties. So that's a reflection of the coach being, uh, he doesn't uh, hold them accountable. Man, the Seahawks led the league in penalties in 2014 and won the Super Bowl. Like it's, it's. you look at t- look at the top 10 right now in penalties. Arizona's in the top 10. Buffalo's in the top 10. Tampa's in the top 10. Anyway, we, all these guys are bad coaches. All these guys are bad teams. Like it's, it's not that simple to put everything on the coach. And I think fans like to put things on people who don't wear the jersey of the team they root for, right? You have David Montgomery on your fantasy team. (laughs) You, You bought a Trubisky jersey. Like, those are your guys, and it's easier to blame the dudes like who are playing fantasy football as GMs or uh, the head coach who's calling the plays because you do that in and Madden. And you're like, I could do Ryan Pace's job. I could do Matt Nagy's job. I could never do David Montgomery's job. So I'm going to blame the guys who I feel like I could do their job better than them. And I think it leads to some analysis that absolves professional football players of playing like crap, frankly, which is what the Bears have been doing. Now
1: you're talking about the players. So, so let's kind of look at the players and look at the roster construction here really quick. Sure. Because I I think that's where we we kind of have an issue and yeah, Matt Nagy's had some input, obviously Foles was the guy he told Pace to go out and get, you know, obviously Cole Kometti goes, this is the guy I need for my tight end for to make my offense work. So we know Nagy has input. I'm not, I'm not saying he does it, but at the end, this is buying Pace's roster construction. Now, I give Ryan Pace full credit for taking over a defense that had Kyle Fuller on it and nobody else and built one of the best defenses in the league. He, now, he paid for it. You know, he spent on Khalil Mack, and he, he's put pieces together. He paid Akeem Hicks. He's paid Eddie Jackson, you know, you know spent first-round pick on Roquan Smith. I'm not saying that there, haven't been, you know, there hasn't been an effort to make that defense, but he does get full credit, in, in my eyes, for putting together this defense. But at the same time, the offensive construction – as we've talked about, there's, there's, there's just no talent. And it's not just that some of the free agent signings because they didn't have money. It's that, you know, they didn't have a lot of middle-round picks, so they weren't able to get, in essence, the Nick Quakowskis and Dion Bushes and Jonathan Boards to be backups and have a little more depth on the offensive side of the ball because of all the, the trades that Ryan Pace made. And we kind of look at this offense, and to me, and I've said this to a lot of people, Ryan Pace, to me, and if you think I'm wrong, tell me, has always put the team first in terms of the roster construction. I know it was a long rebuild to try and get where he wanted to get with this roster, but he always was looking forward on what was best for this roster this offseason, I think I truly believe that Ryan Pace looked at this and said, he doesn't have the quarterback Foles will be his bridge. He needs to make sure that they go nine and seven, 10 and six. So he keeps his job and he can get another shot at a quarterback. And it wasn't necessarily the best thing for the franchise. I think it was the best thing for Ryan Pace. Am I
2: crazy, or do you think there's some validity? Well, so I think that there was an organizational mandate that Mitch Trubisky was going to be the guy from Ryan Pace on opening day. I, that's what I think. I think that if there was a full offseason, full minicamp, full OTA, full preseason, I, I think that Nick Foles would have beaten him out, but based on what we've seen the last few weeks, I'm not 100% sure. But obviously, Foles has played better defenses than Mitch played this year. But I think that Ryan Pace wanted it to be Mitch. Um, the hole in your theory is they were apparently a finalist for Tom Brady. So, like, if they would have got Brady, they were moving on from Mitch – And they were going for now he would have been a bridge, obviously, but if they if they would have landed Tom Brady, everyone would have been thrilled and that would have been exciting. And clearly, this team would be better and operating much more efficiently and all of that. So uh, I think that Ryan Pace is not operating fully out of self-preservation because apparently I'm alone in this. I don't think his job's in jeopardy. I think he's back. Well, I think him, I think him and Matt Nagy are back next year. No, if they lose ten straight games to finish five and eleven, then it's different. But no one thinks that's going to happen. They're going to win seven, eight, or nine games. Probably miss the playoffs, and they'll and it'll be a weird year, right? And they'll be like, ah, it was COVID, and it was a weird year, and a few things went against them, and tough luck, and no off season for Foles, and like you know. None of that will be totally valid, but that's what they'll say. And they got two years left on their contracts and they're going to keep their job. So I haven't gotten the sense that Ryan Pace has operated fully out of desperation because I haven't felt like Ryan Pace is even on the hot seat, frankly. Do you?
1: Well, no, I, I don't think he was, I don't think he's been on the hot seat. And I think Pace and Nagy were fully safe going into this year, but I think that being said, if the wheels fell off something and look with, you know, we know what can happen when there's no quarterback play, the the whole thing can go to hell. So, yeah, I really didn't think they were on the hot seat, but the way they've played the last three games and look, there's a lot of football left and this could be a blip on not not that they're going to suddenly, you know, go 11 and five, but this is, could be a blip on the radar where things get a little better, get to where they were the first few games where they're winning a couple, losing a couple. And like you said, get to nine and seven and, and get into the playoffs, especially if they expand to eight teams, they expand to eight teams. The bears are in great shape to make the playoffs because there's just not more than eight decent teams that are going to have a chance at a winning record in the NFC. Uh, but for me, just the way this offense has looked the last three games, the way Things are unraveling and I understand the teams are good. And I thought there was a chance the bears would lose all three of these games, but certainly I didn't think they would lose in the way they have. So I think if things unravel and they end up going six and 10 or seven and nine, I do think there's going to be a lot of conversations at Hallis hall, but if they do get to that nine and seven, look, here's the bottom line. Let's say they go nine and seven, which is not a great season. Eight, eight seed Seahawks blow them out in the first round. Goodbye. Let's say that happens or they miss the playoffs barely, whatever. The fact of the matter is that we have a 12 and four, eight and eight, nine and seven team over the last three years, that record, as much as the ugliness might be on the field, that record is very difficult to justify blowing
2: out the entire organization. Correct. Exactly. And even though your coach is an offensive coach and most of those wins would have been provided by your defense, it still will be very tough to justify it, man. And and again, you'd get a coach, right? But you'd ha- think about it. You hired Juan Castillo, John Di Filippo, and Bill Lazor prominently last year. They'd all be gone. They they, they didn't sign two year contracts. Like these are guys who expect to be here a while. And so, if you fire those guys and you're you're paying a lot of people to not coach and not general manage your team, and then whoever is getting hired, when they go and they find, hey, I got to bring in my offensive line coach. I got to bring in my linebacker coach. I got to bring in my coordinator. Though you're not going to get the best candidates for those jobs because they're going to be like, wait a minute. These, these guys got fired after one year with no offensive line and no quarterback. We're not miracle workers. So then you're, you're just not – you won't get the best head coaching candidate available. You won't get the best DB coach available. You won't get the best offensive line coach available. And you'll just be – you'll be the Browns. Like, there's a reason why uh, the Steelers are one of the three best organizations in football every single year. They Not because they're the, they always win – they do most of the time. Tomlin's never had a losing record. But they've had like five coaches in the history of their franchise. Like they, they, organizational stability matters. Clemson football, none of the assistant coaches leave. They all stay. Continuity matters when you're building a football program, pro or college. And so it, that doesn't mean you accept mediocrity. But this is not Mark Tressman that we're talking about here. This is not John Fox. This is not some sort of like national embarrassment. Uh, Players are not quitting. There's no mutiny. There's no, no scandal. None of that stuff. You've got bad offensive players and bad offense. It's not a mystery why this is happening. So spend some money on your offense, figure out a way, right? Like, Giving two years and thirty million dollars—I know it was five for seventy—but it's in effect it two years, thirty million. Giving that money to Robert Quinn looks ridiculous right now. Looks terrible, given how bad he's been and how bad the offense is. Like, imagine if they would have spent fifteen million dollars on a right tackle, and you would have gone into the year with free agent right tackle. Leno, Daniels, and Whitehair. Now, obviously, Daniels and Whitehair getting hurt. You can't help it. But that would have been Charles Leno, who is serviceable. He's fine. Seventh-round pick. But, I mean, for the money, he's fine. Second-round pick. Second-round pick. $15 million free agent. This team looks a lot different if that's what you have on on your offensive line, in my opinion. Um, Now, obviously – you know, guys are going to get hurt. And like, as you spoke to the depth issues, because they traded middle round picks and, and that sort of thing. But like, I don't know, man. Uh, I want to see Matt Nagy get a shot with a quarterback. I want to see them try to actually invest in offensive football. Everyone else does. Why can't the bears, why, <laughs> why, why, why in our lifetime, can we never see a modern NFL offense? We've like occasionally seen good NFL offenses, but it's been by accident. And it's been with like other teams is cast offs and free agents. Like <laughs> what, what, why, why can't the bears sustainably, they can have a top 10 defense every year. So like we've seen consistency. Why can't the bears ever be a top 10 offense year after year after year? It is possible. And I don't know like i i i want to, I want to see them take big swings at that and stop this idea of bare weather, bare down, bare football, and all that crap
1: and and the reason that we haven't seen it and and we've stressed it throughout this this conversation is quarterback play. There's no reason that a one hundred year old team's three best quarterbacks in the history of the franchise are a quarterback that played in the forties, a Super Bowl winner who couldn't stay healthy, and a recent quarterback. Who's never considered better than average at the at the NFL level, and Jay Cutler, those three guys have no business. When when the Packers are rolling out Bart Starr, Favre, and Rogers as their three greatest quarterbacks, and that's what the Bears have, and they're the same age
2: franchise. There, there you go. So yeah, man, and, and so and so this, this offseason, it'll be fascinating. Like, and we can do we can do it on a, on a later date, but like it, So if the Bears finish with eight wins and get the sixteenth pick in the draft. Is that good enough for the fourth quarterback in this draft class? The fifth quarterback in this draft class? Or are you trading up again and trying to, you know, take your net? So, and then Ryan Pace gets to take two huge swings at quarterback and he's trading a first round pick with a future first with the 16th pick to move up to get the third quarterback in this draft class. Or are you trying to get like Sam Darnold or... Dwayne Haskins or someone like that or like will the Falcons move on from Matt Ryan or the Vikings move on from Kirk Cousins or like will someone you know what I mean like maybe some team maybe the Lions or the Falcons or the Vikings are going to get crazy and like trade up to number two to take Justin Fields and then you can get their guy like I have no idea what they're going to do but they're going to have to take a huge swing at quarterback this offseason if they have any intention of winning a Super Bowl with Khalil Mack on the team.
1: And I'll, I'll ask you, this is the last one. Uh, so thanks for so much time, Danny Parkins, when you're talking about huge swing and this, this is where I wanted to finish. And since you went there, if the Cowboys bottom out and I, you know, four and 12 and are sitting right there in the top five and they've got that, the Dak Prescott situation and they decide to let them walk. And I don't know what Dallas is going to do. And that's, that's way off in the future. Would you take a huge swing? And I, that means mega dollars for Dak Prescott. Would you go for that off an injury, and then you could invest that first round pick if you don't have to trade for him on offensive line, maybe second, third round pick too. Is that something that interests you, or would you rather see a lesser swing on, on a Matt Ryan type, or you know, like you said, Kirk Cousins? Oh, like, well, where what, is is Dak? If Dak is available, would you
2: say the Bears have to go all in and make this happen? I mean, listen, I, before, during the last year, I would have said, and I still think that Dak was a product of what they had around him. I thought that Dak Prescott was the poker player who got dealt pocket Kings or pocket aces every hand, like Tyron Smith, uh, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins on his offensive line. It's the best offensive line in the last 15 years in the NFL. Sure. Uh, Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Jason Witten, Dez Bryant. Like this dude has been offensive coach, continuity, even if you didn't like Jason Garrett, like same system. He had every possible advantage. And until last year, his stats were always the exact same. 23 touchdowns, six interceptions, 3,500 yards. Super pedestrian, but he never missed a game. But then he had a big year and he's young he's a great leader he's got upside so yeah you'd take the swing i'd have I'd, I'd be i'd be scared of it but it's like if uh if at least in that scenario you would hope you'd have your qb of the future and your qb of the now and like, would I rather them trade up into the top five and take a QB? Yes, I would. Because I think the most valuable thing you can have in sports is a great quarterback on a rookie deal. But would I, you said Matt Ryan or Dak Prescott. Yeah. I'd rather have Dak Prescott. The problem is, man, they got no cap space. They no, might not have a enough, problem. Yeah. They might not have enough cap space to franchise tag Allen Robinson, much less give Dak Prescott $35 million a year. So they have, they have no cap space and the cap's going down. So you know, I, I think that's a pipe dream, what you're talking about. Uh, But if you could just say like, push a button and Dak Prescott's the quarterback of the bears, but you have to commit to him for four years. Yeah. I'd commit to him.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's where it is for me because look, Ryan Pace, this is his last, if he gets to swing at the quarterback, it's the last one. So swing big because that's your last chance to keep this job. Cause if he, if he, if he, you know, Nick fools his way through the next three years. He's not going to have a job very long. So there he is, Danny Parkins. Thanks so much, Danny. Really appreciate so much time. And uh, thanks for sticking with it guys. We had a technical snafu that no one
2: knows. about. Oh no, it's not a problem. And uh, you know, tell your dog to cheer up. Better days are ahead for the bears in like the year 2030 or so, which in dog years is right around the corner.
1: Yeah. Well, we put him to sleep. So not, not, not literally. We, he fell asleep listening. to. Oh. <laughs>
2: I was going to say, wow! It took a yeah. dark turn. Yeah. Not, not, not that harsh. Like, <laughs> Danny, Bears <laughs> so offense all over again.
1: <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. See you, buddy. All right, there he is, Danny Parkins. What, a, what a great spot there, Danny. Danny's got tons of opinions, and and he's look, he 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 kind of pulled me back off the ledge a little bit on Matt Nagy because if, if you heard those initial thoughts, you know I've been a supporter of Matt Nagy. I've pissed off people with my support of Matt Nagy, but. I was starting to sit there going, I, God, I just don't know what's going on with this offense. He's got to be able to do something with this offense. Again, not a lot, but something more than, than, than what's happening. Because to me, that Titans game just felt a lot like the Saints game from last year with Trubisky. Where they only lost, you know, they only lost by a touchdown. Foles' numbers look great, but it was awful. You know, it was just it was it was an awful performance. That Saints performance was awful, and then you go back and go, wow, that was the Saints awful. And you look at the stats, go, oh, Trubisky was pretty good. It's because he racked up 150 yards or whatever it was in the fourth quarter. So, I'm just. I don't know what's going on with this offense in terms of how bad it's gotten. Like I said, it shouldn't be good, but I do think it should be a little better than this. this it, they should not be in the bottom two and three in every offensive category, but they are. And and Danny said it there. He doesn't think it's gonna get any better. I have hope it can get a little better. Like, you know, can this offense be in the top 25? Top 25 out of 32 teams. I, I don't know. If they can do that, they can win nine 10 games and potentially get in the playoffs but they really need to turn this thing around this week they have an opportunity the vikings are playing better for whatever the reason this bears defense has had delvin cook's number delvin cook is what has made this offense go for the vikings all season long when he's bottled up the vikings are bottled up so if the Bears continue to do that, and they did a great job against Derrick Henry, if you listen to this podcast, you know I was really concerned about what Derrick Henry could do to this defense because the defense's run run defense has not been as strong this year. They did a great job bottling, they did a great job bottling up this entire Titans offense, Tannehill and and, and Henry. It's just the, the Bears' offense could not move the football and just hung, you know, the defense was hung out to dry yet yet again. So for me, this Vikings game is critical. This Vikings game, Matt Nagy this week better be telling his team, basically, this is your Super Bowl right now. We we fall to five and five, a four game skid, we are gonna, you know, that that's when the wheels start falling off. You win this game, you you get a a win under your belt, you stabilize things a little bit, get the team feeling better. You know, winning creates positive energy, and positive energy in the NFL goes a long way. Look at 2018 with the Bears, that was that was a team riding a groove for 16 games, so. It's important, it's imperative, I think, that the Bears win this game. This is the most important game on the schedule out of out of this point, at, at this point of the season. It's a must win, it's a critical win, and I'm going to just say it, I think the Bears are going to win this game. I know I said they were going to win the Saints game, but hey, it did go to overtime. I was close on that one. I think the Bears are going to pull this off. I think the offense is going to look a little better because I think, The secondary of the Vikings is going to allow some separation, and Foles, if there's some separation, is going to be able to hit some receivers. He's going to throw some Aaron passes because that's what Nick Foles does, but I think he's going to be able to hit some receivers, and and we're going to have a little more success on the offense. I don't really have a real reason why because of, wow, it's looked, but the Vikings, I, I just think the Bears can match up well enough against that team, and I think they can pull this one off. So, I'm gonna even say the Bears are gonna score in the 20s. Like they're they're gonna actually have some points on the board. I'm gonna say this one is gonna be 24 to 13. How about that? 24 to 13. A comfortable Chicago Bears win against the Vikings. Matt Nagy puts his undefeated Minnesota record on the line and keeps it. Goes to five and zero against Minnesota. So we'll see if I'm right next week. Bear down, everybody. Hopefully we're not in for a long second half of the season. Hopefully they turn. We'll talk to you soon. Adios.